Welcome to Bewildered. I'm Martha Beck, here with Rowan Mangan. At this crazy moment in history, a lot of people are feeling bewildered, but that actually may be a sign we're on track. Human culture teaches us to come to consensus, but nature, our own true nature, helps us come to our senses. Rowan and I believe that the best way to figure it all out is by going through bewilderment into bewilderment. That's why we're here. So, Marty, I think there's a pretty good chance that our listeners are out there going, oh, wow, I have a lot of cultural messages in my head and Mm -hmm. it's not that easy to access the voice of my true nature. Yes. And I don't know, they might be thinking, is there anything else that I could do other than listening to this podcast to help me learn to listen to my heart? Well, I had this question, even as a young child, I would ha- say, I am not happy. And people would say, well, it's all in your head. And I'd be like, I know, get it out of my head. But nobody could really help me do that. And so um, in my 20s, I sort of made up a system to help me detach from cultural messages and connect with my true nature. And it ended up being my career as a life coach and then training people to do the same thing. And I think that, you know, it's just like people who feel the urge to heal themselves, heal, help others heal and heal the world, mm. that this this term life coach sort of slots into that in our culture. And yeah. people take the training to hang out a shingle and become life coaches. People take the training because it's like getting life coaching yeah you know and people also take the training just to learn to access their own true nature yeah it was originally just a access your own true nature course mm-hmm. but when you've mastered that you really want to share it with other people and people want to be shared with right. and they will pay you money so if that's the way you want to go that's why it ended up being life coach training but it's actually wayfinder which is different. It's about finding your way by connecting with your true nature and and steering your own course. So if people are interested, you can Google Wayfinder Life Coach Training or go to MarthaBeck.com and you will find your way. Yes, you will. Hi, I'm Martha Beck. And I'm Rowan Mangan. And this is another episode of Bewildered, the podcast for people trying to figure it out. What are you trying to figure out this time, Marty? Oh, I am trying to figure out a lifelong issue. It is about making casual friends. Casual friends? Yes, I lack this ability. Say more. Well, I I used to just have no friends because I'm weird and um, nerdy and generally abhorrent. Very cute, though. (laughs) <laughs> you know, for you, abhorrent is the new cute. That makes me happy. But I, so I was just like, I literally would like junior high school. I remember creating a place for myself under a table. I stacked all these boxes around and the other kids wrote Nirvana or Godzilla's retreat or whatever on the boxes. I literally was walling myself off from people. Then I decided, okay, I have to learn to make friends. So how do you do that? And I would read. You pay attention to what people say. You reflect what they're saying. You ask them questions. And boy, did I go for it. (laughs) And as a result, like, I act incredibly interested in people I want as casual acquaintances. And in most situations, this is okay. But I specifically have problems, like for many years, as you know all too well, I cut my own hair. (laughs) Oh, yeah. With a pair of scissors from a uh, uh, sewing kit that you could take on an airplane. <laughs> this is it, true. It was, is... Not, was not a good look. Um, but the reason was every time someone else cut my hair, they would end up feeling like they were really, really good friends with me. <laughs> so the problem is that you are an overachiever in every part of your life and you don't know how to like regular achieve. I don't, yeah, I don't only... know how to regular achieve. And so, and that's why I finally like, coaching is amazing for me because I really have that skill. I really <laughs> listen. I'm really interested. I really like want to fix people's lives. <laughs> but that's all, the only gear I've got. It's mm. Godzilla's retreat or I'm moving into your house to fix your life. Mm. Mm. At least I'm leading you to believe that. I don't know how to do in between. You do in between. How do you do in between? I don't know. I'm just wondering. I, I did talk you into finally going and getting your hair cut by, sorry to say it, but a professional. The one area in which Martha doesn't overachieve in her <laughs> life is cutting her own hair. I'm sorry to say. The back. You know, the back was not good. The back was. So I've been told. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say 
it didn't not look like you cut it yourself blindly <laughs> with a pair of tiny scissors from a sewing kit. Yeah. It didn't not look like that. Yeah, it wasn't. And I don't know personally. I feel really good about it. But <laughs> because it's the one thing I've never been able to see. <laughs> but I know Karen for years was begging me to get a regular haircut. And then you piled on and uh, you're pushier than she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, it's like. I, how do you do it? I don't get it. I actually, it's because I just read this great book by Catherine May. I wish I knew the title of the book. It will come to me in a while. I either remember the author or the title. Anyway. It's she, not out yet. This one is. Oh. I'm reading Catherine May's next book, but oh. I didn't know her last one. So I went and, anyway, she's this brilliant writer who um, started to suspect in her 30s that she might be on the autism spectrum. And it turned out when she was tested that she was like really, really seriously on the autism spectrum. So she had the same problem I do. She would, and I actually took the test and it said I'm slightly on the spectrum. So she would either just run away from people completely or she figured out how to be socially appropriate so well that she was considered the life of every party while she was dying inside to just get away. Mm. I identified very strongly with this. And working very hard as well. Oh, my gosh. It's exhausting. Yeah. And then you have to go lie down and, like, have a a minor convulsion for, I don't know, three days. Yeah. Yeah. You're not giving me any help here, Rowie. Well, it's not entirely unfamiliar to me. Like, but I don't know. Like, it's so interesting, like, all the the diagnoses and classifications and everything because, like, that to me is what I have thought of as being an introvert. Mm. is I can do it, but it takes all my energy. And then I do need a long time to recharge. So I don't I don't know. Well, I don't even know how to do this, except that I want to tell you that the name of the book is The Electricity of Every Living Thing. That's what you were typing, you sneaky little yes, girl. Yes, I was typing, right? I was I was doing this as we speak. And this is what I'm always trying to do. When I'm talking to people, I'm like in my head, I'm thinking, Let's see, what's the next paragraph of my next book? It's a little (laughs) private brain space. It's not fair to others, and I'm not saying it's right. That's why I'm trying desperately to figure it out. So tell me, what would it look like to you if you had, like, what would a casual acquaintanceship look like? (sighs) Like, you seem to have friends in Australia, and you'll say, oh, yeah, I was talking to my friend online the other day. And I, I'm like, what? Oh. What? I did. When did you take six hours to go write an s like a, a deep, meaningful, personal letter to your friend? Because I didn't okay. see it happen. Okay. Yeah, I can see what we're doing. I don't know what you're doing. Mm. Well, let me tell you. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I don't know if this is something to do with. No, who knows what it's to do with? This is me. Like when I say to Marty, "Oh, I was chatting with them online." This is what it actually looked like. They've shared a meme. I go, ha ha, that is so true. And they're like, I know, right? And and there we are. We've caught up. You can not just I've tried. like you have to. This is Martha replying to, like, say I had sent her that she had posted a meme. Imagine a parallel universe in which that would happen, and then. <laughs> Imagine that I see it and reply, ha ha, that is so true. This is this would be Martha's reply and it would come six months later. <laughs> Dearest Rowie Joey, as I sit here <laughs> reflecting on our life together, I see that the leaves oh. are beginning to turn <laughs> from green to yellow and it reminds me of time's inevitable passing. But no, that would make me disgusting and people wouldn't want to come back. This is how I experience it. They say, I put a meme up. They say, that is so true. Uh, and I say, ha ha, yes, it is because I'm trying to be like you. And then they write, <laughs> when are we get where? Okay, let me give you an actual example. Go ahead. This is literally <laughs> true. <laughs> When I lived in Phoenix, uh-huh. I used to be on the news, on the, one of the local news channels. Once a week, I would go in, people would write in questions, and I would answer them, and I would do a little life coachy thing. So there was a woman there who I'm hoping is now deceased, 
because <laughs> Jesus. I'm afraid she'll hear this and know who she is. You shouldn't wish someone dead. No, I just wish in case they in, listen to your like, podcast. I, you should consider like this is part of the problem. I okay, hope yeah. she's dead. <laughs> because she might listen to my podcast i can see that's more on the yeah, um that's not a marketing vibe either yeah no i think yeah i think we're starting to dig into the root of the problem let me put it this way i hope she is fully enlightened and nothing can offend her there you okay go. the fact is no one at the tv station liked her and everyone was afraid of her she was one of the video editors in the back and I used to go in and I'd wait for my segment in the back with all the electronics dudes. And we were all like close friends. I knew the names of their kids. I knew when they were going on vacation. I knew that they were, what, what diseases they had. I mean, I plied my trade. I see. Okay. But this one woman was so nasty. Nobody ever dared talk to her. And so um, I decided, you know, I was going to just ignore the hostility radiating off her with little cartoon, <laughs> visible little waves of animosity. And I would say to her, um, how are you doing? And she'd go like, why would you ask? And I'd say, I just think you're looking great today. That sweater looks great on you. Whatever. So this went on and she was always nasty and I was always nice. And then one day I went in and I said, how are you? And she goes, why would you ask? And I said, just because, just wondering. And she said, and I quote, we should go on vacation together. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not lying. So let me get this straight. Yeah. How are you? Why would you ask? Because that sweater looks good on you. I don't know. I was just I just was randomly grasping at things. This is the thing. I'm not actually good with I'm not actually good. Just I'm not actually a good person. But people get the impression that I am so connected to them that we should go on vacation together. So how was it? <laughs> Where'd you go, Club Med? Yeah, we, we, we went out into the desert and we just lay there baking in the 120 degree heat until she let me go off my leash and I went home. This is the thing is that part of it is that you would have gone on vacation with her. Yeah. I'm completely I sure. remember my last haircut was in Phoenix and it was by my very gay hairstylist and he had introduced me to his boyfriend the month before I went in the next month because when your hair is short you get it cut up frequently and he goes yeah now that I'm not gay anymore I'm you know really considering a new way of life. And I was like, wait a second, I met your boyfriend last month. And he goes, I have not been gay for so long. And I was like, well, four weeks. And and I said, well, what's wrong with being gay? And he said, oh no, I, I truly believe gay people literally burn in hell. And I like, I said, you really think there's a place for gay people? Like a physical place that is roasting hot where gay people go to be roasted over flames. And he was like, absolutely. When are you coming to my pool party? Never got my hair cut by a professional again for 30 years. No, I can really see why. Yeah. You're I'm, not, uh, I have speechless. no conclusion. Let's, let's just ask Rowie what she is trying to figure out because I am not making progress here. It's actually not unrelated. Um, I'm trying. And my hands are sweating because this is I'm this is like legit, Marty. I yeah. am trying to figure this out right now. Okay, and I'm, here's I'm what hearing it is. you. Something happened to us probably about six weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Eight weeks ago. I don't know. And it was one of those things that doesn't feel terrible at the time, but then you realize later that it was a terrible thing and you should terrible. have known and you should have remembered from yeah. past. So anyway, we got invited to a party. Oh, God. I know. I know. Oh. And oh. now we're at that point where it's happening soon oh. and we remembered that we are scared of parties and hate them. Yeah. And I'm not, like, to me, I'm kind of, like, I get to go there with Marty and so... That's nice yeah. because I'll be hiding behind you. Yeah, until until you see someone, and then you'll be like, "That sweater looks amazing." <laughs> Why? Where? Where's your boyfriend? <laughs> and all those things. All those things. Um, and you'll go into your gear because that's the thing is I don't know that I have that gear 
quite as intensively as you because of the overachieving. I'm afraid of that gear. So I'm. we're going to probably be in this weird contortion of each trying to hide behind the other, I guess. It will be amazing. But for me, what it's really come down to is I don't know what to wear to <gasps> the party because I've been in my house for three years and during that time I've like changed size a lot and in two different directions, I suppose three if you think about it. First the left side way. was changing, then the right <laughs> side was changing. <laughs> um, and I've so I've got, you know, and I'm just, it's all in between stuff. And I literally, this is literally true, mm. don't have anything to wear to the party. And also it's someone that I don't necessarily know that well and I'm really scared everyone's going to be super dressy. Yeah. Oh, I'm scared too. Or, yeah, they'll be less, like, they'll be naked. I've been to parties where people started getting naked. That's not happening. I start that at parties. (laughs) It's such a relief after, like, the worry about high heels. Now you know what to wear. I I mean, I will be wearing Birkenstocks. Like, there's no two ways about it. I just, I'm just scared of the, that minute where the eyes flick down to the Birkenstocks and then back up. The entire reevaluation of your personality. I once went to a party with, it was an Oprah thing, and uh, it was at this, like, retreat in the countryside, and the women were wearing such ridiculous shoes that they had to have butlers carry them from place to place so that they could either they'd have to take off their shoes and walk barefoot but that wasn't distinguished enough so they just stood there in these spiky heels and there would be like a, a mountainous terrain there's a word yeah. for the thing that I'm thinking of and I can never remember it and I always ask you and it's a word for it's a word that is also another kind of word yes. like it means something else as oh. well oh. but it's what I picture these ladies being carried upon <gasps> a palanquin no, that's not the. There's another word. Maybe that's the thing, but there's another word. I pronounced it palanquin for a long time. No, a litter. Yes. Oh, okay. is that is that what you call it? Like yeah. where there's a bed being carried around by yeah, people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll put oh, them on a little litter. Yeah. yeah, that's the word. That would be so sweet in their shoes. But <laughs> <laughs> I love how you're being super relatable today, Marty. It's like you know when you go and you're being on TV for your weekly segment. And the that producer down the back who's really rude. And you're like, you know, when you go to an Oprah party, <laughs> the okay. women have to be carried around on litters because their shoes are so fancy. When you put it that way, I mean, my life is so drab from the inside. I can't tell you. The best part of the TV gig of years of doing this was that one day a zookeeper brought in a kinkajou, which is, I don't even know, it's a weasel or something. <laughs> And the kinkajou got loose in the studio, which is, you know, it's no windows. It's absolutely dark like a cave with wires and cameras and lights everywhere. I love this story so and much. I was wearing high heels. Mm-hmm. I used to wear those. That's why I needed foot surgery. Don't do it. And like a business suit, which is really appropriate for 120 degrees. But inside the studio, it was cool. The kinkajou got loose and everybody was like, oh, my God, the kinkajou is loose in the TV studio. And I saw the kinkajou going past in a break between the wires, and I thought, it is now or never, baby. (laughs) And I launched myself, hands out, like an American football player, you wouldn't understand. (laughs) And I did grasp the kinkajou. I conquered my fear. I grasped him. And I said, I've got him. I've got him. And then all the people in the studio whose diseases I knew had to pull me backwards (laughs) so that my skirt hiked up (laughs) with my little high heels so that we could get me out of the space with the kinkajou still in my grasp. (laughs) It was the finest moment of my life. I am so happy that that happened so that we still have a story to tell. Yeah, and then that's, I think, much more relatable. Hey, but what about when we had a very similar thing happen not long ago on our own patio with a little <gasps> Mr. Toad? I know, but I was afraid of him a little bit. Mm. Why do you think you were afraid of him? I don't know. I think if I don't do something for about a day, I get afraid of it. I feel like I have this thing with certain animals and the way they move where I still, I don't have long hair anymore, but I used to have very long hair for a long time. Mm-hmm. And... Oh, I don't want to go into the whole therapy 
thing, but like I have a thing about something that is going to move erratically, either going down my front or, into your or hair. getting stuck in my hair. Yeah. So, um, well, <laughs> that's that's my one of my dark corners of my psyche. <laughs> uh, but it should be a great party. <laughs> We've got a wonderful party. I just hope somebody brings a freaking kinkajou. Well, I mean, if if the worst happens, you can tell the kinkajou story. Okay, and you can always get naked. You can always since you're the one. I who always do. You, <laughs> you always well, you're always naked under all those clothes. So yeah, like if we run out of things to do and we're just like like rabbits in the headlights, just staring at the people we don't know what to wear. We wore the wrong thing. We don't know what to do. Just strip. Or we uh, like, this is what I've learned. That sweater looks really good on you, but with a slight <laughs> note of surprise. Sweater. Maybe what we should do is come looking really daggy. Only the Aussies will know what that means. Really daggy and like, like lesbian. Uh-huh. Sorry, uh-huh. lesbians, I know. But like with the Birkenstocks and the jeans and the shirt and the no bra. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we we'll just turn up like that. And the tool belt. But like what we should yeah, right. But what we should do is turn up and immediately start really loudly judging what everyone else is wearing. Oh wouldn't that be fun? That's the way to stop making close friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they will not want to go on vacation with us. No, I think that's brilliant. I think we're figured that out actually yeah i think we're done here but we have a karenism our new item yeah our new item karenism of the of the podcast yeah and i have it this time because i just got back from a lengthy trip to south africa and all kinds of things happened in my absence and people became unrecognizable Mm. to me um (laughs) i came in and they were like who were you and why are you naked and i was like i'm trying to make friends at a party and they said, oh, we remember you. And they said, uh, we've been watching a show. It's mm. amazing. It's called The Staircase. You have to watch it. And they kept talking about it. Mm. And I was like, well, wait, 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 wait. Tell me what's what's happened. If you are someone who cares about spoilers, really wants to watch The Staircase, either the documentary that was made many years ago, so there is a sort of statute of limitations thing there, or the recent um, show with Tony Collette and Colin Firth, if you care about things that aren't really spoilers turn off now okay i'm not sure that this will be a spoiler because karen undertook the task of explaining the show to me (laughs) and this was the way it went so here's the thing marty they found her at the bottom of the stairs there was blood everywhere not spray like with an object but blood everywhere and there was blood outside and and i said wait 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 someone fell down the stairs and somehow the blood from this got outside and she goes yeah it's like until the there's always the owl theory but really they've never seen wounding like that and i was like wait wait what an owl she's like yeah 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 she had to go outside because and then maybe the owl and i was like wait she fell down she went down and she said well there were two holiday deer you've got to understand there were two holiday deer outside and i'm like she was chasing deer in her yard and then like an owl got her and karen's like yes Mm -hmm. but 10 years later another man that he had had sex with who had sex with another man that he'd also had sex with had the same owl wounds and i was like who had sex with what? <laughs> and I mean, this was the explanation I got. She rested her case at this point. Like she, she made her case to the jury and I was supposed to do what I wanted with those, with that set of facts. But I, everyone who's watched it will find, what's amazing to me is that you just did a perfect, like that was perfect. This isn't a Karenism. This is perfect. Everything you said just makes total sense to me. I'm so confused. <laughs> you remembered it brilliantly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I followed it. I'm, I'm, I just feel like watching it again now. It's so, so fascinating. There was no skull fracture and no one had ever been so badly beaten without their skull fracturing so obviously they think the owl but then (laughs) someone else had the same thing and there was a connection but the weird thing is there was another woman 10 years ago and guess what happened to her she was attacked by a holiday deer at the bottom of a staircase 
So it is very fascinating, but I have no freaking clue. And this is the way Karen explains everything, including like the congressional hearings. And like, she's very excited and she knows it backwards and forwards. But the way she tells it is just word salad, word up here, word down there, word to the left, word to the right, stand up, sit down, fight, 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 we're done. It's Karen. It's a Karenism. Karenism of the week. We'll be right back with more Bewildered. I have a favor to ask. You might not know this, but ratings and reviews are like gold in the podcasting universe. They get podcasts in front of more faces, more eyes, more ears, all the bits that you could have a podcast in front of. That's what they do. So it would help us enormously if you would consider going over to your favorite podcasting app, especially if it's Apple. And giving us a few stars, maybe even five, maybe even six. If you can find a way to hack the system, I wouldn't complain. And uh, a review would also be wonderful. We read them all and love them. So thank you very much in advance. Let's just go out there and bewilder the world. Change, eh? Mm, It sure does keep happening. I feel like there's something that you, Martha Beck, have created that will help us understand how change affects us and how to manage it. Oh, by coincidence, now that you mention it, I have. It's called The Change Cycle. Mm. It's about four aspects of the whole process of change. And we've put the information together in one handy place so that the people can refer to it when they're going through change. And you know what else? We also made podcast episodes about each of the four squares in the cycle that are also on this new page that we've made for the peoples. Well, how remarkable is that? All right. You can find out all about the change cycle at marthabeck.com slash change. All right. Marty. Yes. Let's, for God's sake, finally get to the topic. Oh, we have a topic. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. So what we thought we'd talk about today, and we're going to talk about it, like, all right, let's be honest. This is something I'm going through right now, and I thought it'd be fun to talk about because I like talking about myself. So um, we're going to talk about that sort of undefined time between when, when you in your life have been one thing and you know you're sort of becoming another thing but you're not there yet and you don't really know what's happening and I was thinking about it as a kind of space for dreaming Mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. isn't something that our culture names or allows for yeah stuff like that yeah it's about I mean it's so interesting because everything is supposed to be stable like we're always looking for something stable we'll go through school, we'll get a job, we'll get a marriage, it'll all be stable. Like once I've done all the cultural things and I'm wearing the wedding ring and everything, nothing can change again, but everything's always changing. So a lot of people end up, and this happens to me often, and I've seen so many people go through it. The world is changing. They're changing by nature. And we are always talking about what culture says, what nature says, right? Their natural tempo is to change from what they have been into something else. But there's no, as you just said, there's no set of concepts or processes or words to describe the letting go of the old self and the undefined time before you become the new self. Can you talk about the metaphor that you use in your life coach training and in various places, one of your books, to describe that? Because I love it. I think it's such a a great image that we can take in mind. I say this like nine times a day. It's why I make close friends Um, because they need this. When a caterpillar is full fed, yeah, that's the phrase. They come out, they're little tiny and they get, they just grow and grow and grow until they're called, they reach a status called full fed, which is when there are enough cells. This is so cool. There are exactly enough cells in this caterpillar to make the butterfly it's meant to be. Wow. And at that point, boom, without adding another cell, the caterpillar makes a chrysalis or cocoon, which hardens into the chrysalis. And then in many species of caterpillar, it simply melts into an undifferentiated goop. Right? Yeah. It just melts into a thing. And so it does that. And that's where we're like, oh, my God, my life is falling apart. We all know that bit. That's not what we're talking about today. So what happens next? Oh, when the whole thing is completely disaggregated, it triggers a chemical reaction that activates the part of the 
beast's DNA that says it's called an imago cell. It has the image of a butterfly like built into it and it turns it on and it takes all those cells and makes a perfect butterfly. Crazy. It's absolutely amazing. All inside this little container, you know, you'd have no idea what's going on in there. Liquid to a different animal all yeah. in one process. It's absolutely wild. But I think what's interesting for us as people is, and bearing in mind it's a metaphor and no one's going to turn into literal goo. It's a metaphor, people, um, is that the caterpillar is always going to be a butterfly. And what we're talking about is the kinds of change that we go through in identity and stuff that isn't, A, it's not always visible, like being a butterfly. It Mm -hmm. often doesn't have a name like a butterfly. So we're not just talking about like your job or your career or your marital status or even like gender and those sorts of things and transitions there. We're sort of talking about the stuff that can actually be quite internal. Yeah. yeah. And it's really hard to get a, an individual perspective on the dissolution process and then the recreation process if you only have the cultural models inside you because the culture says like there's a menu of things you can be. You know, but here's the menu of genders you can be. Boy, mm. girl, take your pick. And now it turns out a lot of people don't want to take that pick. Yeah. There're different genders, there are many genders. And um the in-between place is very uncomfortable and people are trying to get identity politics lined up so they have language for it. Oh, but yeah. basically the culture says at any point in your life, if you if you don't like your job, jump to a job that the culture made. You know, if you're not going to be a dancer, be a doctor. If you, yeah, So jump to something else on the menu and then people want to grab something that's that's on the menu so they can become that but that may not be what their nature is wanting them to become. Exactly. And we're, we're actually taught that being undefined is something to be feared, mm-hmm. right? Like, so what we end up doing is trying to make it a version of the culture's menu. Mm-hmm. Here are the number of things you can be. Yeah. And so we're like, well, I'm kind of like a... You know? Yeah, I'm I'm reading this book about a a child prodigy violinist. Her name is Min Kim. And um, it's about how she lost her violin. Um, And she she lost her violin at a certain point and thought, well, maybe I could be a doctor. Like it it was such a, like she would have had to jump completely to a different self. And people don't like that. We want to be like the cultural version, even if a little bit different. Like when I came out as gay years and years ago, decades ago, and I looked around at the other lesbian women I knew, they they were always, well, it looked like, maybe it wasn't on the inside, but they were trying to look like a sort of leave it to beaver, nuclear family, 1950s American family. Look, we're okay. Like there would be the lipstick lesbian and then there would be the dad one who Mm. was more masculine and made more of the money and whatever. And it was like, don't hurt us. We're almost exactly like you. Mm. I don't think I'm exactly like that at all. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? And I feel like there's something grammatical about it. Like the I'm a you know, hmm. I'm a noun and we're never nouns. We're always verbs, right? Because it's not it's not ever this final destination of a thing. And it's so interesting watching, like having Lila, our toddler, and feeling the culture come through me hmm. in that. And all of us, we all do it, all three of us, uh, as we're raising her, we ha- find ourselves having these conversations of, oh, she likes this, maybe she'll be a, you know, that thing that right. so obvious it's almost not worth saying but that it's so subtle the ways that we play out the culture that oh he likes building things with blocks he'll be an engineer mm-hmm. oh mm-hmm. look she's doing that with her dolly and I'm using those genders deliberately um she'll be a nurse yeah you know it's just like it, it's it's childhood is an undefined time you don't let like when we rush to put a little label on them there is a fear there right Uh, absolutely I have two two follow-ups on that great the first one is that I just said you know we are not all leave it to beaver lesbians and you go 
Yeah, like the way the three of us are raising our baby. That right there is something that we're like completely sanguine about. And other people are like, wait, three? Yeah, three. Yeah. Um, watch. Leave that to Beaver. Leave. <laughs> and then we, oh, we could go down a road that would not be appropriate for young children. I, I think everyone's there with us right now. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I think that, yeah, yeah just leave it. Just leave it. <laughs> And the other point is I want to know, and this is probably doing exactly the same thing, wanting to identify something that is not identifiable. But when you said we're all a verb, we're not a noun, mm. I was like, oh, what verb are you? What <laughs> verb are you? What verb am I? And I was like, I never thought of myself as a verb. What if we're oh, like, I'm thinking right now, what would I define myself as if I had, if I had to call myself a verb? Hmm. What would you do? This is a noun. <laughs> But I'm thinking about a Suzanne Vega song, which is called Small Blue Thing. And it Mm -hmm. goes, today I am a small blue thing, like a marble or an eye. And Mm. it goes through and it never says what the thing is, but it's like there's all these different permutations and there's just this sense of a small blue thing. And it could be like any of these other things. And I feel like that's, that's closer because it's, you know, I'm, I am a... Oh, I, I can't do this. Yeah, it's hard. I can't do it either. I, I the, the only things that are coming to my mind are are images of water flowing. Mm. Um, like I am a trickle. That sounds slightly <laughs> like scatological. I am a tinkle. I am a tinkle from the loins of God. <laughs> I no, stop it. Stop right now, Mangan. All right. Oh, don't stop. <laughs> um. The point is, you are going through this right now. Whatever verby thing you are. I just want to say something. Yes. Verb is a noun. And that was what, so I let myself down right out of the gate there. But that's so confusing. My brain hurts right now. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Language. It's a cultural thing. It works for the man. It's working for the man. Oh, my God. You're so right. Let's never use it. What I really am is a whoo, whoo. This podcast is going to be challenged by our new decision to no longer use language. (laughs) Podcasting does seem like the wrong medium. (laughs) Oh, there are languages um, in in like Northern South America where there's no words. Can I just say something? Just whistling. Can I just say something? Yes, please. Just in that moment, I watched your face as that thought popped into your head and you just went completely right into nerd. You just, your nerd face came on and this is what your nerd face looks like. (laughs) It looks like, it looks like a lion about to, to like savage the neck of its prey. Your nerd self is so excited. It's very excitable. It really is. And, um, yeah, there are people who don't have words. They only have whistling. There are languages that are all music and no words, but there are no people who don't have music. Music came first. Just love saying. it. I love it. But tell us, Ro, about what you're going through right now. Yeah, well, Speak I mean, of the, this. the thing about it and the reason that I wanted to talk about this today is that all I can tell you hmm. is that I have all the symptoms, oh. right? I don't know what part of myself I'm leaving behind. Mm-hmm. I don't know... I don't know what I'm becoming except that it's a verb, (laughs) a big one. (laughs) And maybe it's expressed in whistles. We don't know yet. Could be. Um, And so, you know, what interests me is that what I've learned from your work is that when we go through these changes, it always looks a certain way, like within a very broad parameters. But there are these things that you see in your coaching or have done for a long time that sort of always happens that are our signals of those imago cells like you were saying in the in the goo of the caterpillar to butterfly metamorphosis and it's like I feel those imago cells popping Mm -hmm. and and I find myself doing some of the things that you talk about and it's so exciting it hasn't got a name I can't tell you what it is because it's undefined but I would be so excited if you could talk about what those symptoms are. And I know I'm just asking you to perform your work, but it's super interesting, at least to me. I like it at. We have so many things that come from the way Adam says things. Like yeah. I like it at. And one thing he always says is, and we say it now in our family, 
that makes me happy on the inside. Yeah. So speaking of on the inside, like a real metamorphosis starts from within. It is not culturally triggered. It can be triggered by events, but what you are meant to become is within you. So I don't go by what people have been, what they may think they want to become. I go by the symptoms they're showing of a metamorphosis. And I will tell you what they are. Yes, I will. Do. Uh, the very first one is a curiosity you have not had before. This, this strange feeling of like, I'm just going to go. There was a woman who was on the Oprah show once who changed her whole life because she was driving across a bridge in New England, and she saw someone rowing a one-man shell on the river, and she became obsessively curious hmm. about this process, and ended up becoming a rower and rowing across the Pacific or something. I don't know, but like she was so bizarrely curious about this thing. When you get that odd curiosity, that's to me that's the first symptom. You may not even notice it. Can I tell you what one of yeah, mine what? was that yeah, popped yeah. into my head? So I can remember, I don't know, a couple of months ago being in Lila's nursery playing with her and I had a podcast on, um, podcast by the brilliant Emma Gannon. Uh, it's Yay. called The Hyphen. And, oh, no, her newsletter is called The Hyphen. The podcast is called Control-Alt-Delete. It's so good, you guys. You should listen to it. And I was listening to this one and Emma was interviewing someone from this um, sort of new media publication kind of model company called Substack. Mm -hmm. And I was just like that. Like, you know, you you know how it is when you have a podcast on. Um, you just kind of you're doing your thing, do do do. And but I just like stopped everything, stopped playing with Lila. And I was just drawn to this description. Mm. And it's like, it's honestly, it's about like something that's between a blog and a newsletter. It's not the sort of thing that would usually get your heart racing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't stop thinking about it. I even, I've signed up for this course that they do and everything about it. It's like, and who knows what that's about? I, I don't. I love the odd curiosity phase. Right. Yeah. I, I read, The thing that started me as a writer was I was listening to an Indigo Girls song. Didn't know I was gay. <laughs> <laughs> Early signs. And it's called Virginia Woolf. And also gay. Also gay. And one of the lines was, a life of pages waiting to be filled. Oh, and there's, it's, it's like, uh, I, there I am on a kind of telephone line through time. Oh. And the voice at the other end comes like a long lost friend. And I was, I just burst into tears. Yeah. And there was so much in me that was starting to metamorphose then because it's a very gay song. <laughs> and I didn't know I was gay, but that was happening. Um, you know, Virginia Woolf, gay, Indigo Girls, gay, everyone gay. And then it was about writing. And I never set out to be a writer. I was a mm. professor. Mm. And that's all I was planning to be. But it was just like something in me went, yes. And I got so curious about a lot of things. It's so woo when it happens. Like when it starts happening mm -hmm. and you're just like, WTF. Like, right. I don't, I like old me that is a noun doesn't give a shit about that but now suddenly I'm like oh, and there's like I always think about it as like feeling your way forward in the dark a little yeah. bit and you know this is when the culture immediately the acculturation will start to kick in and push you away from your curiosity well that doesn't mean anything who cares about rowing why are you listening to that song that's mm. stupid like wh what's the point mm. you're not being productive mm -hmm. right like why mm. would you be interested in something you've never even thought about before because maybe I'm supposed to be something I've never even thought about before. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's so next time you get an odd curiosity, follow it. Go yeah. down the rabbit hole. It's like Google everything. Go looking. And the thing is you do it anyway because it's fun. It's yeah. exciting, you know. Well, you do it. I do it. But both of us were allowed to be quite free growing up to explore our interests. So some people out there may be like, oh, that's a little scary. I'm telling you, it's worth it. But isn't there a kind of enthusiasm that comes as you're yes. in this process? Oh, the more you pursue it, the better it gets. So then you get to the phase of enthusiasm, which is I, I've heard uh, it defined also fascination as attention without effort. So it's like you have to force yourself to pay attention to your tax returns or whatever. But then there are things, and then there's passive stuff like TV where it's like you can veg out. But this is fascination. This is moving forward, pushing to learn more, 
and not being conscious of working at it or doing mm. anything hard because it's just when you get the when the curiosity becomes enthusiasm you're like a river running downhill right you're you're a tinkle from the loins of god good god mother <laughs> Disgusting. I'm sorry. You're a tinkle from the loins of the divine force you believe in. Any higher power, the you higher want. power of your cheesing. <laughs> yeah, you're a higher power piss is what you are. You're a golden <sighs> shower from a higher power. <laughs> and the thing is, piss is both a verb and a noun. Oh <laughs> my god! The hunter becomes the hunted. <laughs> I think in the last one and a half minutes we just lost every single person who everyone okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna say something here that is really true because is i've it, seen you do it is it literally true it's literally true okay. and it's empirically true it's physical <laughs> you start to move stuff around in your living space and Ooh. then you start changing your style your personal style so we were um up in the bedroom this morning chatting away starting to talk about the podcast and and just also chatting and catching up and I was saying to Marty here's what I want to do here I want to move this to here and this to here and it was like and it was again so exciting moving furniture around is not necessarily the most interesting thing for me most of the time oh it's wonderful yeah yeah <laughs> so sorry Marty is is excited over there she likes things about that not me <laughs> But now I now I do. I don't know what I like. I like. That's my verb. I like. And today it's moving furniture. And it's so funny because I've heard you talk about this again and again. And it's not like I'm following a rule book where it's like, oh, I'm going through a change. I'll get the I'll get finding your own North Star out. And like it's not like that. It's like suddenly the joy is in the moving furniture around. Yeah. And then I'm like, Oh, that's one of those things Marty says. Uh-huh. A part of this. In and the, we're if, watching. If, if anyone wants to look into it, it's called Square Two in her work. And and then we're watching TV, and there's a woman who has like a cool jacket over a shirt that's not tucked in, and you're like, okay, that. And it's not how you've been dressing, but it, it was actually a man dressed like that. I think we. Wrong. Oh no, we didn't talk about this. Yeah, yeah, it was a man, and I was like, that's how I want to dress. Yeah, and you'll change your hair. Oh, I remember a time. So we were living in California, and Rowie is a person of great personal um, discipline. So she wanted to go to this thing called the Hoffman Institute, which is like a total change your life 10-day thing. But not out of discipline. It was another one of these things. I knew to go there. I just absolutely knew to go there. That's so cool. I didn't know that. Anyway, she went off for 10 days and did all this psychological stuff and we weren't allowed to communicate at all. So we didn't know anything. So she comes back to our home and this is when she had the long mane of hair, Mm. a lot of hair. And she came in and she was like, she got there at night after driving all day and she was like, cut off my hair. My hair has to go. Mm And we were like, are you sure? I was, I cut it in stages because having practiced on myself. (laughs) (laughs) Surprised I let you at it, to be honest. I didn't do a so bad job. No, you did great. But you were like, no, no, I can't wait and go to a hair salon. Cut it off right now. Yeah. And the moment we cut your hair off, you looked so much like yourself suddenly. Right. And you'd look like yourself with long hair before you went, but you were a different person. And that was it. And it was like that. I need this hair off me right now. Get it off me. It's not, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this self anymore. You know what I'm afraid right now? I'm afraid I'm going to wake up tomorrow being a virtually hairless creature from birth and go, I really need a huge mane of wild hair. I've still got it in a bag. I could just get some scotch tape and. We can do that. (laughs) It would look about as good as it did when I was cutting my own myself. Yeah, so you start to change your look. And the hair is actually really significant. I used to be a teaching fellow for Orlando Patterson at Harvard. Drink, please. Um, Relatable. Who was the world's leading authority on slavery. And so I had to learn all these things about slavery. And one of the uh, things that surprised me was that in all the cultures that have practiced slavery, which are many, um, the U.S. was by far the most egregious, horrible, bad, don't do it um, offender. But slaves always had to wear a certain hairstyle. 
hmm. or their hair was, and that was a big racist component because having curly hair or really curly hair um, was one of the ways they, they tried to get people who were trying to pass, you know, because their parents had been through all these horrible rape scenarios. So they ended up looking almost white, but if their hair was curly, they were still considered slave material. I mean, it was really, really weird and shocking to realize how powerful hairstyle is as a so a marker of social status. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly a way that many of us express identity. Oh, everyone. Literally. It's well, a- the, the bald. Oh yeah. There are people who don't have much of a choice. Like Lila right now doesn't have that big a choice. We've tried putting little pookies in her hair though, and she pulls them right out. She won't have it. Anyway, changing your hair is like massively courageous. Like if you don't have the velocity of running water running downhill, you won't do it because it's such a shift of identity that you're afraid of what other people's reaction might be. You dyed your hair dark yeah. from blonde. Yeah. Well, I made a, ch- I, I was pushed, but I said, yes, I, my hairdresser goes, Yuli, she goes, I don't like when people's hair, same color as skin. It's like weird, one big skinhead. <laughs> I darken it a few shades. You mind? I was like, no, go ahead. Thinking I'd have like a honey blonde. She, she dyes my hair. She lets me sit. She pulls off the towel and she goes, don't freak out. <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't. We didn't. I was, I really, I like it. It's not a color found in nature, but I love that. Yeah, it's cool. So, okay, so let me get this straight. We're talking yeah. about the symptoms of metamorphosis. We have odd curiosity, the things that where you are taking that first step away from your fear, right? Mm-hmm. And um, being curious about things that don't make much sense. Then we have the enthusiasm part, and you know where all all it all sort of starts flowing, and you're moving things around, and you're changing your hair, mm. and you said then is the pursuit or tracking phase. Then comes the pursuit. You're you're sure that what you want to do is um, play the piano or whatever. And at first it comes naturally. You're just so into it and you're learning fast. And then there comes a time where you have to pursue the sound that you really want to make. Or you you decide you're going to do a life's work of creating a company and it sounds really great in the abstract, but then you have to put your hands in the clay and start saying, okay, I have to learn how to make this. I have to, I'm going to chase this down. It's no longer a matter of, huh, I feel curious or, oh, this is effortless. It's like, no, I want to be this thing. Mm-hmm. It still may have no name, mm. but the image is getting clearer and every um, every time you have an experience of joy and fulfillment, it's like a, another track in the, in the pursuit of this creature, which is your future self. And it's wild. Yeah. And there was a time when I was obsessed with feeling like I was becoming something. And all I could hear in my mind was this. Indigo uh, girls going, you are a great big lesbian. Well, there was that. But there was also T.S. Eliot, another great big lesbian. <laughs> Famously. (laughs) Famously lesbian. Did you not know? Um, I suspected. (laughs) So she writes, um, I said to my soul, be still and wait without love, for it would be love of the wrong thing. And wait without hope, for it would be hope of the wrong thing. There is yet faith, but the love and the hope and the faith are all in the waiting. Wait without thought, for you are not ready for thought. So the darkness shall be the light and the stillness, the dancing. Wow. That is such, I love that bit of that poem, but more than anything, it's like, oh, that's exactly what we are talking about Wait. today. And that's, yeah, dung, just, just clicked in. Wait so, without hope, wait without thought, wait without love. That's, and so that, it totally changed my life because I now had a language, a a bit of language to put on what was happening to me. Oh, something's changing. What am I becoming? What's going to happen to me? Wait without thought for you are not ready for thought. And that felt true. Mm. So I could say, all right, I'm not sure where, where this is going. I am going to pursue my interests. I'm going to try to guess what it is. I'm going to go as a verb. I'm going to, but I'm going to go hard. That's Mm. the pursuit phase. Mm. I'm going to track hard 
because the little bursts of joy are the footprints of your future self. Oh, I love that so much that your future self has walked ahead of you and left footprints on the path. That's so gorgeous. I showed Lila her first set of deer tracks yesterday and she got it. I didn't think she would. Sorry, that was just a little cavell there. <laughs> anyway, then, then there's one final phase, which is amazing. Wait, wait, wait. I want to say something mm. about the pursuit and just that hard work idea, you mm -hmm. know, just that we were talking recently about, I don't know, like, so my thing is my natural way of thinking is probably quite countercultural um, because I think the culture generally says work hard and you'll blah, blah, blah. But for me, I always think geniuses are geniuses. It just pours mm. out of them effortlessly, you know, and, but we were talking recently about someone that we know and it's like smart people who work really hard. That's where, you know, that's the people that we see most um, purely fulfilling their mission and yeah. you can feel it in the way that they work and, but also in that it's not easy. Right. And I think that's, that's been a big learning for me mm. um, because it's also like forced me to stop excluding myself from people who can do things mm. because I thought it was effortless. And then I've watched oh, yeah. people like you and other people who I do consider brilliant geniuses. Yeah, and, and I'm like, oh, no, she has to go up there and name the document. And there's something about that where it's just like, Naming the document is a bitter struggle. <laughs> it makes it so real to me uh, yeah. that you have a document there and, you know, anyway, that's silly, but um, working hard, smart people who work yeah, hard. Yeah, without the pursuit phase, if you're not willing to pursue and you just let yourself be a trickle all the time and you never like gain that internal momentum, often because you're waiting for a thought, but you're not ready for thought. Just uh, go, right? right? Okay. That is who. I would like to identify as go. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. I would like to identify as wait without thought. <laughs> <laughs> I thought just, just wait like the weight of a sack of beans. I would like to identify myself as a weight without thought. <laughs> Basically like a paperweight, but larger. <laughs> yeah, but the hard work, it's funny because um, Hesiod said that the Roman poet, he said, um, mediocrity is easy and the way to it is level and smooth, but in front of excellence, the gods have put boulders and the way to it is hard and steep. But when you get to the top, then it is easy, even though it is hard. Huh, that's cool. So yeah, it's like you can't, to not do it is hard. Like, and I, to do it is hard. Yes. And literally everything in my life has happened because I was terrified to go forward, but I was more terrified of not going forward. Huh. Yeah. Like I was like when I quit academia, I remember my then husband said, you know, we should quit our jobs. I was 30. He was 33. And I was like, why? We're on these cushy tenure track professorships. And he said, do you want to do this every day for the rest of your life? And I was like, oh, my God, we've got to quit right now. And we did without any other jobs right then, like with three kids. It was not a low-risk dive, but it had to happen. Well, and, and it happened that way and you took that risk because you were already in this stage of the yes. metamorphosis, right? It's yeah. not no one's saying quit your job. Oh, to, no, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't. I would never stay in your job and do something wordless when you get home or even <laughs> at your desk if you can hide it. <laughs> and speaking of at your desk, there's the you've got mail phase. And the, so this is the final symptom of this of this yes. part of the personal metamorphosis. It's kind of where you break through and you can start to have an identity and in the coaching system that I teach I know this is so gimmicky and gross but we call it the three ends first you notice what you're interested in then you narrow it down in the pursuit phase and then when you've already done it then you give it a name huh. so you don't search for a name that the culture already gave it that's a sure way to get shoehorned into something that is not your nature right you have to become whatever it is and then give yourself a title Right. And uh, yeah, I haven't come up with a good title for myself. Wayfinder is what I stick on everything because yeah. like that's, that's the verb form. I mean, that is the noun form of the real identity word, which is go. 
Hmm. Yeah, that's so cool. So tell me about the You've Got Mail. That's when people start coming to you and saying, well, this, it happened to you with the Substack thing you were talking about. You had this real, you, you were pulled toward it like yeah. a fish on a hook going, why am I so curious? Yeah. And then you really worked hard. You, saw, you took the class, you signed up for it. You did, wrote these, like you've been working hard. Very hard. And yesterday you wrote a piece that really knocked my socks off and you put it out there and people started, well, they came to you before that even happened and said, do you want to be part of... Um, this group that is, I don't even know, you were just selected to be part of a group. Yeah, like this class thing that I was talking about. Right, right, yeah. right. But you had, it, that just came from nowhere. Somebody just mm. noticed your stuff mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. said, yeah, we want more of that. Yeah. And that's the way, if you're doing something that has no name, people just have to see it. It's like Steve Jobs was a great genius of creating something no one ha knew they needed, which they knew they needed as soon as they saw it. Right, yeah. Yeah, like I didn't know how badly I needed my iPhone. Yeah. I really need it. <laughs> it's like a fifth limb. So, yeah. yeah, you start to get this you've got mail thing where people drop in and say, do that again, do that for money, do that with me, come on, do it over here, come to this group, do that there. And you start naming what you're doing. And um, because it's absolutely what you are meant to be at that moment, you can name it and start to be yourself in the world, except that you're still a tinkle from the loins of your higher power. Mm -hmm. And you, sh you have to be ready to let it go because the caterpillar only does it once, but you could do it as many times as you want. Well, it's going to happen to you whether That's you want true. it or not. That's true. It's not a choice, really. It's your nature. Yeah. So how do we figure this thing out, Marty, this weird phase, this undefined phase between um, being one thing, feeling like one sort of thing and becoming, or it's actually the phase where you are a verb between possibly two nouns. Yeah, before you have the name. That's, that's what I really want to promote in this podcast. Be nothing. Be nebulous and misty. change, eh? Mm, it sure does keep happening. I feel like there's something that you, Martha Beck, have created that will help us understand how change affects us and how to manage it. Oh, by coincidence, now that you mention it, I have. It's called the change cycle. Mm. It's about four aspects of the whole process of change. And we've put the information together in one handy place so that the people can refer to it when they're going through change. And you know what else? We also made podcast episodes about each of the four squares in the cycle that are also on this new page that we've made for the peoples. Well, how remarkable is that? All right. You can find out all about the change cycle at marthabeck.com slash change. So I feel like the idea that just kept coming to me is this idea of a space for dreaming. Mm. Like, that's what I don't think our culture allows us mm. is the fallow time, yeah. you know, that sort of negative space time where you're just waiting to see what rises, the wait without thought, for you're not ready for thought time. And it feels so important because this is something where it's the culture is within us pressuring us, mm -hmm. not coming from other people so much because you can feel the change and there's such a rush like us with Lila she'll be an engineer she's building towers out of blocks yeah. that anxiety that rises to renown the self right. um in that time where you're you're really not you know the the imago cells are just glittering around you yeah and so for me I'm like I've made a, a space for dreaming and, and watching, watching what happens and that space is real. I'm spending a lot of time in a different part of the house than I had been and and it's the also bathroom. just, hmm? The bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when the trickle comes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You better be ready. Yeah. Um, yeah, so a space for dreaming is how I've kind of figured it out for myself. What about you? Well, there's a story that really helps me. Um, is it about? urination in some way no okay it's about china as many of my favorite stories are mm -hmm. um it's in ancient china they used to when a kid was a year old 
if it was a boy, because women weren't given professions, but they would set the baby in the middle of several objects. There was like a writing pen. There was a knife. There was, I, I can't remember the objects, but they oh, represented yeah. different professions. And the baby would crawl and pick up an object and whatever he picked up, that was going to be his life hmm. at one. At the same time, I think as a resistance to this kind of being buttonholed, there was a dude, and I don't remember his name, but he was a, a Taoist monk. And he went off to the mountains to decide what he wanted to be. And he gave himself space to dream. Mm. And he would come back occasionally. He was 20. He was 40. He was 60. And he was like, no, not yet. Hasn't settled in yet. When he was 80, he finally came back and said, okay, I'm a teacher. And, and this is, I know what I'm going to teach. And he got to work in his 80s and kept teaching until he was 120. Cool. He still had 40 years of wow. being this. And, and part of it was that he was in this constant fluid state and that's what he had to teach. But that, like, don't give up. However old you are, however stuck you may think you are, like, the metamorphosis happens from within you. It's from the inside. And if you go with it, life will make a way for you. That's my thinking. Life will make a way for you. And what I'm making sure I do is I don't rush to become a noun again. I'm just mm. just here in the goo watching the little glitters of imago cells around me. Fabulous. So let's just all stay with that thought and stay, stay wild. wild. We hope you're enjoying Bewildered. If you're in the USA and want to be notified when a new episode comes out, text the word WILD to 570-873-0144. We're also on Instagram. Our handle is Bewildered Podcast. You can follow us to get updates, hear funny snippets and outtakes, and chat with other fans of the show. Bewildered is produced by Scott Forster with support from the brilliant team at MBI. And remember, if you're having fun, please rate and review and stay wild. You know, what I'm seeing out in the world is a lot of fear and a growing amount of despair. Maybe you're feeling that way too, because the ways our culture has taught us to navigate the world, to navigate our lives, they are failing us. We need a new language. We need a new set of tools to find our way individually and as a group. And I know we can still do this. I put everything I do know about it into Wayfinder Life Coach Training. And the tools that I teach there are to help people redefine how we relate to each other, how we make a living, how we do community. We can only change the world for the better if we redefine how we think and the world needs Wayfinders now more than ever. So please go to MarthaBeck.com and you'll find your way.